Okay, this is Diana Dye. I am three glasses down. Three glasses down. Hello, scribblers and scribblers. <laughs> <On> a, <laughs> hello, scribes and scribblers. This is Diana Dye. I am three glasses down on a Thursday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. It's not even Thursday. <laughs> You won't hear that, but that was Sharon correcting me that it's a Sunday afternoon, not a Thursday afternoon. It is the 30th of June, the end of the financial year. I am here with Leo Falk, who is here on his biannual excursion to Sydney. How are you, Leo? I thought you were going to say like like, like Leo's buy, buying exclusion trip or something. Leo Fock, the Pencyclopedia. Leo Fock, the Pencyclopedia, and our Hong Kong correspondent. Um, There is very little for Leo to buy in Sydney, I think he'll allow. Yeah, that's the reason why I came here, was so I can, like, not buy pens. And enforce no buy holiday, as Ada has pointed out. But instead, he is at my home. We are about three bottles of champagne down. But while Leo is here, I wanted to talk to him about his fountain pen collection because that's what we're here for on this podcast and not to learn about our drinking habits. <laughs> so, Leo, introduce yourself. Who are you? Where do we find you online? Hi, I'm Leo. Um, maybe around five years ago, uh, my friend bought new camera gear and he wanted to play with it. So we started a YouTube channel where I reviewed my newest hobby, which was like fountain pens and now like five years later and like youtube instagram and like three four pelican hubs i now run the hong kong pelican hub i travel around meet pen people around the world and occasionally i buy a pen occasionally is an understatement so it's like a semi-professional fountain pen collector is what you are would you say that I think relative to most people, I'm probably a collector, but I hang out with actual collectors, which is a completely different scale of things. So I'm like, I, I, I casually buy pens now and again. It's pretty much how I describe myself. I, I'm not sure that most people would describe Leo as a casual collector, but oh. we'll let you decide when we get into the weeds of it. Leo. Yes. You said you really got into this when your friend bought a really good camera five years ago. So have you only really been collecting or interested in fountain pens for the last five years? Yes, only around like five or six years or so. Maybe around... So I've been with fountain pens for around six years and collecting... I'd have to check the eBay records. Uh, (laughs) Probably around two and a half years, seriously. Yeah. Okay. It all began... After I met the wrong people who showed me their pens, and then on the street, some random place in Hong Kong, I found a secondhand store with a whole bunch of pens, including a Pelican M900 Toledo, which was no big deal, except it had a 20C nib, which was a late 1980s Japan-only model. And it was because I saw one before that I knew that it was worth quite a bit, but the guy selling it was like... I'll take this amount for any of these pens, which were a bunch of Mont Blancs, Omas, Jerusalem, and this Pelican with a sticker. I asked my friends, but they're like, we all have one. It's time for you. Wait, wait, wait. I have so many questions. But first of all, what is a 20C nib? So the M800 started around 1986. Clearly all this research I did after buying the pen. <laughs> okay. 
And uh, in the early days, they did 14C models. But for the longest time, Japan has been super into Pelicans. Uh, and so around that time M800 was introduced, after like a few years, they did a special 20C version, 20 carat version for Japanese market. Some of it leaked out. Most of it, or, or most of the history is probably like, I think Marazin in Japan was the store which sold the 20C nibs. Is the 20C nib any different from the 14K? Uh, the earliest ones are 14C. Those are softer, bouncier, you could say. The 14C. Yeah, the 14C is, is most bouncy. 20C feels close to a to the second generation, which is when Mont Blanc also started offering... No, nah, like, like, like Mont Blanc was already doing 14C and 18C, so Pelican was like, oh, hey, we should go from 14C to 18C because more gold means better? More expensive, certainly. They can. It, it makes it sound more posh, and and so they moved to 18C, and they've been on 18Cs from like the early 90s until now. Maybe this is um, secret, but give me an idea what the current size of your collection is. Maybe only around 100. I don't know. Maybe we call bullshit. <laughs> Sharon calls bullshit. <laughs> We call BS on that. His portable collection is at least 50 pens. So, and I know, and I know there are at least, you know, a dozen Kakunos there, as well as other random bibs and bobs. Okay, so excluding the Kakunos, I know he has at least. A bit hurt. Brian, would you like to weigh in on this? No. (laughs) No. Like, 100 is being very, very generous. Is being very generous. We'll leave 100. In quotation marks, then. Are there any particular brands that stand out? Uh, so... He loves a good collider. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first started out, my, my first pen was like Alami Joy with 1.1. 1. 1. Like, I, I, I like stub nibs. So for the longest time, like short of actual collecting pens, I like just buying stub nibs. Uh, so... If we were to categorize bits of my collection, I would say I've got a collection of like fat nibs, and um, some of the companies companies that make the best like fattish nibs in the modern era are like Pelican and Montblanc. So I've got some of those, uh, and then because I also regularly travel to Japan, I also have access to a lot of Japanese pens. So I also I was into Sailor for like a good one or two years. And then they started making too many special editions, so I stopped collecting. Oh, I, I forgot to interject at the front, but um, Leo is based in Hong Kong, right? Yes, I'm based in Hong Kong. Uh, so there was a sailor for a while, and then I got influenced by the wrong crowd. And these days, it's mostly just pilot and occasionally other just unusual things. Just, just, just stuff you don't see often that you're like, oh, hey, what's that? Never seen that before. I'd better try and hunt one down to 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 find out what it's like, and so I can like compare it with everything else. I, everything else I have. So last night, um, when I was at dinner with Leo, he mentioned that what really excites him and what motivates him to call, to buy a pen, any sort of pen, is it can't be an easy one to get. So the difficulty, the the chase is really what is interesting for him. Yes. I mean, uh, it, like, like this is, this is going to be a long-term hobby, so I can't actually just like take out my entire bank account and, and just get whatever I want. But 
Wait, you're already planning this for like the next three decades. Is that what you're saying? Even though you've only been this for two and a half years. Yeah, like th- th- there's no rush. <laughs> like the, 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 um, there are a lot of older pens. Like new pens, you can just find and buy easily. But but older pens, stuff that you missed out on because you didn't buy regularly for like the past twenty years, is a little harder to find. You have to know where they appear, how often they appear, what's like what is market average. You have to know that it's a difficult to find pen or like an unusual pen first, and. So you slowly, like, you, you meet more people, you see different stuff, you see what's common amongst, like, the actual collector-collector crowd. Uh, you, you notice trends, and then if you see one, then, then you, you, you chase within reason. Have you ever bought or, or chased after a model that you've never seen in real life before? Or is it is the process that you, you come across another collector who has something that you are inspired by or that you're attracted to and then you go and chase that what is the the process it's a bit of both so you go to meets you you see people and and they share their collections and then through that sometimes you see stuff that you wouldn't otherwise pay attention to other times or like once you get going once you've seen like ten thousand pilots then occasionally you're like what's that i've never seen that before I have to find out what that is. Or, or like, I see this once a year and I can't wait. So I'm going to try and, like, given that I know what the historical market price has been, then I'd better go chase one. Other times you're like, I have no idea what this is. I think it might be rare. I'm going to make a risk. And then I'll, I'll go for it. And that's how a lot of my, what I call accidents, because usually it's not one pen. Usually it's some guy who doesn't know what he's selling. He just sells a whole bunch. And you're like, yep, I'll take that for whatever price i mean what you're describing i think your habits really do depend on having a sizable community around you that is incredibly that has both width and depth in the sense that there is a lot of members and also a lot of members who are extremely invested in this particular hobby with very expansive collections is that something that you think is very unusual in terms of hong kong being that sort of a community i mean do you think that's common around the world? Uh, that's a tough question. I I think... Put it another way. What is it about Hong Kong that... Um, well, would you say that you being based in Hong Kong is something that aids you in driving your hobby? And what is it about Hong Kong that makes it such a locus, I guess, for a pen community? I don't think it's actually Hong Kong. I mean... I think in any community there are like beginning users and slightly more experienced users, and if you're friendly with the older users, like, and like, and if they're willing to share their experience and their collections, then you get to learn a lot more. And it also helps that I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of like really nice people who have been willing to share information and be friends. And so, uh, like Hong Kong, Hong Kong takes after Taiwan a lot. In fact, the Hong Kong and Taiwan groups are like very, very close. And Taiwan, being so close to Japan, also has like means that they have a like there's a big, serious fountain pen culture in Taiwan, and no one knows about it. Like, like, like they have a lot of small time makers in in Taiwan that that people don't know about, and which they don't tell other people about because, like, the local community is enough to support support their own people. So, uh. 
I always use this as an example. The Taiwanese like stationary-ish fountain pen group, the big public one, is nearly three hundred thousand people. It, it, you, you can't moderate it. Um, the smaller collector groups are maybe like ten, twenty thousand. Yeah, Taiwan or Taipei noticeably has the largest Pelican Hub every year, don't they? Yes. Uh, they usually have like really big numbers. Whether or not the Pelican Hub actually <laughs> actually gets it's held it, is is yeah. So uh, the, the Hong Kong group is just over ten thousand. It's on its fifth anniversary. It's it's old news by now, but um, for the fifth anniversary, the Hong Kong group, I think, uh, is putting out two inks that are made by Sailor, and it. All 100 sets have already been accounted for. So, <laughs> only 100 sets. Well, like it, it's run by a bunch of like volunteers, and you have to put down like money for like the entire order. So it's a bunch of volunteers. So they, 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 they already have like a lot of money invested into this, just like of their own voluntarily. So, 100 was like 100 times two because it's two colors. Uh, was enough. Was as much as they were willing to like. <laughs> Have you ever been to um, a, t- a pen show in Taiwan? Yes, I've been to the Tainan Pen Show, which uh, this year is 2019. They're on their, their fourth year for 2019. I, I've, I've been to the previous two. And how would you describe it compared to the Japan ones? Uh, the Japanese pen shows are most... Oh, it's tough now because there's a lot more. So the original few that I, that I like to go to were like run by pen stores. They were basically mostly new pens. Maybe Eurobox might be there. Uh, Ohashido might be there. Nikai and like all the big brands. Taiwan, because of, as I said, like like all the small local makers, they, they got to have like... Uh, it's not run by a commercial... Entity, it, it, it's it's like it, it's run by one of the biggest collectors in Taiwan, and so 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 the people like the sort of people he gets in are either the small makers or like like a few of the distributors that do sell new stuff, and also a lot of like secondhand. For instance, like last year, um, Mora Stylos, uh, Eurobox, uh, they they even managed to get Nagasawa to come over. I make a special Taiwan pen show sailor exclusive. So yeah, it, it, it's a lot more like other like non non mainline stuff, like people who make bodies for three seven sixes out of urushi and like horn and stuff. Mm, very artisanal, um, small maker based, and that reminds me a bit of the the new Japan pen show. I can't remember the name of it, which I think started last year or the year before. Yeah, so last year, last, yeah, last year, um, Kaoru-san of Mungbox, like, started the Tokyo International Pen Show, and she invited, now, she's, like, mostly, like, like artisanal, a, a lot of the small, uh, she managed to invite a lot of the, the smaller stationary stores from, like, around the area and other bits of Japan to, to attend, like, places where usually you'd only, ha- like, like, you have to take a train to, and then and the walk a long way to get to. They came over, and she got a few international, few international sellers, and also uh, Iboya, who, who who also makes who who supplies most of Japanese like Japan's Ebonite and makes their own pens and like 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 so she worked with them to make a pretty big pen show. 
Yeah, so there's quite a bit of a like a cultural difference between the Taiwanese and the Japanese pen shows, but maybe there's a little bit of a crossover now because of the communities being pretty close nowadays. Yeah, so like um, the Japanese and Tainan ones, they well they're attracting like sim a good overlap of like European uh, sellers that usually appear at European sellers like European pen shows only. Okay, on another direction. What is the most effort or time that you've ever gone to to acquire a single pen? <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, after I quit chasing Sailor, there was one particular pen from the special edition from some particular store that I really liked and I still wanted. So I did like slowly wait and just check my sources and my. What was this pen? Uh, it was a Sailor Ochanomitsu. It's the one made for their main branch in Osaka. I, I think that's the Ochanomitsu branch. Uh, they made a limited run of 30 pieces each on four colors each for a, each season. The finial is not Sailor. The finial is a circle with the kanji or char- Chinese character for tea, because that's a cha. And it came with a... Well, the one I wanted was like light blue and had a windmill engraved on the nib. I think I waited like a year before it appeared. And so now I think Hong Kong has like three out of the 30 that were blue. Do you still own this pen? Hell yeah, I'm not selling it. <laughs> like, like, like this, this, this was one of the early editions which had the uh, limited edition number engraved, so it's like XX out of 30. Will you show me a photo of it? Yeah, I... I you have a photo? No, I didn't bring any sailors this time. But I, I, I've totally documented it against like the Marita Robin Egg Blue on my Instagram and everything. Yes, it, it's similar. Maybe, maybe slightly darker. The other one was... Uh, uh, this is going to get re- real obscure and everything, everyone's going to fall asleep. Um, sometime in the 90s, there's a flat top pilot that looks like the current bunch of 74, 742s, 743s. But it's flat top. Uh, gold, ball clip. But they made them out of like three different, uh, r- three different resins. Uh, what this is is the bigger flat top variant of the what the West calls the custom impressions. The custom impression, the the Namiki custom impressions are like the seventy four sized round top made from five different acrylic materials that are like ones, ones like blue, red. There's a green, there's a red, blue, and there's, and there's a brown. And everyone wants those, but that's too many, and the market demand's too high. And so I've gone for, like, the bigger, originally costlier cousin with, like, a size 10 flat top 18K nib. And a lot of these more difficult to find sailors and platinums and pilots, what are your sources? Do you usually get them in the second-hand market or from other collectors? Where do you buy your pens? Uh, Usually I get them second-hand online or from... Uh, different places around Japan. Go to the source. Yes, like like, like uh, that. There, there are a few sales like like Eurobox. Eurobox occasionally has like weird stuff pop up, and like he will he might update now and again on his website. But it's better if you can like go to his shop and see what he has to offer. Do you currently have a Grail pen or something that you? Oh, uh, planning to purchase in the next year or so? Uh, according to the others, other people's definition of a grill, yes. There are like, there is a pen that does 
like probably secondhand market only that I will eventually get once I find one for a price I'm willing to pay. Can I talk about it? Nah, just wait until I get the full collection and then I'll show photos. You you don't want to talk about it because then other people will bid against you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Leo is in it for the long haul. (laughs) I've seen your collection. And as someone who hasn't invested a lot of time researching vintage pilots, a lot of the pens just look very, very similar to me in in color, in shape, in finish. And the differences between them are, you know, very minute and often not detectable just through a photo. You really have to see them in person, I find. Sometimes it's just a matter of weight because it's two very similar looking pens produced from a different sort of resin. Um, How do you acquire this knowledge? Do you have any particular advice to someone who maybe wants to learn more about these sort of vintage pens? So, I think... I can't drink whiskey when I'm in the middle of an interview, Ada. Do you want me to start? There is a, there is a line, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, champagne, wine, and gin, totally fine. Whiskey, no. That's the bottom line, no whiskey. <laughs> so I think um, a lot of this is, is basically the... The more the more pens you see, the the more models you will get used to. It, it helps if you own them, because then once you pay the price, then you start doing the research. Usually, R- rarely do people research and then and then get the pen they want <laughs> after a certain point. Like reverse engineering. Yes. So like like you buy the pen, you're like, oh, so that's why it has these designs on it. Other stuff is just uh. The minute details is because Pilot is a company that has over just over 100 years of history, and they've done a lot of weird stuff in the past 100 years that's just unusual, like small production numbers or things that were not meant for sale, that were maybe gifts only because they're a big corporation. Um, and so you have to really squint at those photos you see online. Is... Is a general rule of thumb, the rarer it is, the more desirable it is for you? For me, probably yes. Whichever you can take So, okay, okay. Here's a grail that I can talk about because, like, it, it costs a ton and no one has access to one. And what it is, is uh, you, you, you can actually see in, like, fountain pens of Japan uh, in the... When they start talking about capitalists, there's a 1964 Tokyo Olympics capitalist that's... Uh, Orange Dragonfly, Serenuri Capless. And I think only like 20-something, 30 were made. So it's the original Capless design with the, the orange Dragonfly red. Well, officially red <laughs> Dragonfly pattern. And eventually I may try and get one. It's amazing to me that a company as large as Pilot would produce batches of 20 or 30 or even as little, low as 50 to me that it's it's it tells me that it's really not about the economics of that particular run it's something they have something other another calculation in mind yes i mean like they pilot makes ball points or whatever and then we get the fountain pens every it, <laughs> listeners this is when ada bodily picked up my 35 kilo Weimarana and tried to carry him around he objected And then, like, every anniversary edition these days, they like to make 
a, a boring vest type that's like a flat top with a size 10 and then they make maybe like 10 20 30 40 pieces of like a big emperor sized pen that's been like actually hand painted by a current master and they only make like 30 or, or, or in the case of 100 anniversary they made 100 which is on the high side but the previous ones were like 10s 20s Okay, so while you're talking about the 100th anniversary pens, the Urushi, um and the Makie pens, there was a lot of, um, I guess, backlash, I guess you could call it, in the American um, pattern pen community to the exclusivity of a lot of those limited editions and how there was nothing in a more accessible price bracket um, for the, you know, the more let's say, casual fountain pen collector, someone other than you or Ian to to purchase. (laughs) What are your thoughts on this whole, um, I guess, the the impression that they're giving to the wider market that they're being incredibly elitist and exclusive in their limited editions? And does it bother you? Um, Like, if you look at their history... They really don't care, honestly. I I I don't think Pilot cares. They 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 just do whatever they want. Like sixty fifth anniversary, like usually they put out a quote unquote cheap model. Okay, it's not as simple. So in the earlier decades, they used the anniversary as as a uh, to put out a new like entirely new body shape, like how the sixty fifth anniversary is was the beginning of the custom seventy four shape. Um, the 70th is the flat top that Pilot now uses for all their like, like, like regular fancy flat top Makia stuff. Uh, the 80th anniversary introduced the Yukari Royale shape and then they started getting lazy from there. Like they'll just give you like a Makia vest type flat top and then one big emperor and call it a day. And so like Pilot... Like, okay, so, so officially Pilot for the 100th anniversary released... Two pens, a vest type, which is a blue Fuji Mount Fuji and the Meiji Maru, and then the big one was a big Emperor flat top Mount Fuji in done in like Rankaku eggshell. Um, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> and the Seven God set, which was super limited by invitation only. <laughs> Ten. It, it, it was a small number of sets, like like like. Un- under fifty, I've forgotten already. I I didn't really pay attention to that because that was unattainable. That was so unattainable. Uh, I mean, there are still sets out there, but they were bought by pen stores who don't care whether they sell them or not. Unofficially, no, not we could say unofficially. Off the record, no. In boxes that have no barcode, so it's not for sale. They also made two different Kakuno and. A capitalist, but none of them were ever sell. They were gifts for different events around the, the the period that they considered hundredth anniversary. Like so, they do exist. They aren't just for the, the 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 public. So the people designing the new products, they don't care so much about wooing new customers. It's about satisfying their existing consumer base. Yes, I. I don't like. like I, I think Pilot considered its fountain pen sales to be like super tiny compared to what what like like the rest of the stationery, and, and so they're just making it like a- anniversaries are for 
flexing is, 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 how, I, is how I feel. <laughs> As opposed to actually like making something that people will buy. <laughs> well, Aurora isn't taking that approach. I don't know if you've been looking at their um, 100 anniversary releases. Aurora didn't Aurora. Okay, so, so first Aurora made that, that blue thing. Aurora International, International or something. That was blue with like three rings that were definitely hand done in. And then they're also now making stripy metal 88 body. They, they've been coming out with, I think, one new pen for the 100th anniversary um, exclusives every month or so. So there's been like three or five so far. A lot. A lot of different pens. I think Aurora might run... I mean, for the first few models I've seen, I don't think they'll have trouble selling them, but... If they decide to keep doing this, maybe on the tail end, people might taper off. Well, none of them have really caught my eye so far, so um, you might be correct. But um, speaking of your collection, instead of describing the whole collection for us, since you're not quite willing to, why don't you describe three of your favorite pens from your collection? My three favorite pens? Pens or like groups of pens. Um, <laughs> three favorite pens of my collection. Well, if we were going to talk about like okay, my a pen that doesn't seem to have escaped my daily rotation has been my eight two three with the FA nib. And I. I <laughs> what do you have against the eight two three with FA? Man size pen. The 823 is a back-heavy, man-sized pen. So it is targeted towards a specific market, and while everyone seems to love these, it doesn't work for all hands and sizes. It is a discriminatory pen in some senses. Even I can use them. I, I agree that it is not for all hands, but it is nice for people who are able to use it because I love that nib. Absolutely. Look, I love the size 15 nib. Um, I love the 823 as a concept, I just don't like the shape of it, the balance of it. You love the custom Urushi? <laughs> I don't. I love the custom Urushi nib. Right, Brian? That, that was- Sorry for interrupting your interview, Leo. <laughs> yeah, so, so 823 is pretty good. <laughs> the 823 is pretty good. I like the custom Urushi. That's probably like Pilot spent time and effort into making a completely new nib and a completely, like, not completely new, but like a, a, a different, separate manufacturing process and method to, to make a nice big stick of Arushi with a softish nib that's fun to write with. I'm not saying it's actually soft, it's just springy and fun. So that's custom Arushi. <laughs> uh, third pen. Um, I don't know. I've got a lot of pens, maybe. <laughs> Hold on. Give, give me a few minutes to see what I have. How many pints do I have on me right now? I only have, like... So, on my trip, I definitely just bought the A23 as an inked pilot. As for... Okay, that's two pens, and... I think I can probably talk about it now. I really like the Sakura Fubuki pattern, which I usually translate on Instagram. 
like I, I, I like this pattern. It, it's uh, I usually translate it as Sakura Snowstorm, just for the alliteration. It basically is a pattern that is supposedly imitates um, the, the 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 swirling of the angry swirling of Sakura uh, petals in a like in, in a brief stormy spring wind. And they haven't been making these for too long, so I've finally, I think, gotten at least one pen from like like this pattern. This pattern on a model from every generation they've made it on, from the seventies on like elite models to the deluxe model to the older custom sixty-seven style and the latest uh, modern modern body, which looks like the. Namiki Yukari, the, the, the small size ones with like size 10 nibs. These uh, Sakura Snowstorm, you don't carry these pens everywhere, do you? No, I only carry them to like if I'm seeing people. But there are pens that you do carry everywhere with you, aren't there? Yeah, I usually carry like a pen wrap and a pen case full of pens. How many pens is that? 10 plus 6, 16. Okay, that's, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, that's reasonable, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, so, some of those pens are uninked or like undergoing. Some are empty bodies, just in case I bump into someone and they have ink I want, then I can just steal a, a pen full of ink just to try. Especially on Saturdays, because I meet like people every Saturday, and with the rate diamine is coming out with new inks, like these, <laughs> like pretty much one every week. Oh, there was just another one. What? What? What one? Like cherry? Like the birth series? No, no, no. Some I think someone in Hong Kong. Commissioned a batch. <laughs> I think it called it Lion Rock or something. And, and so, all of a sudden, everyone in Hong Kong is getting one because it, it's the name is symbolic. And who cares about the color? I forgot what color it is anyway. But but like the name's good. What's the name again? Lion Rock. Lion Rock. Lion Rock. Uh, it doesn't officially have a Chinese name. <laughs> In Cantonese, it would just be like Siji San, which is just name of a. Shiji San. Shiji San. No, but you said Lion Rock, so. I know. I know in English it's rock, but the character in Chinese is like mountain. And so someone. I'm pretty sure Daimin didn't come up with this themselves. I'm pretty sure someone in Hong Kong or someone asked for it and. Bought a bunch to make it happen. Do you make a clear distinction between pens that you write with and the pens that you don't write with, and they're just there because you're collecting them? Uh, there are some pens I will definitely never ink because okay, if if I have a different pen like like a cheaper body with the same nib, I won't ever use a more expensive pen because it's basically the same thing. <laughs> People can kill me for that. Uh, but but it, like like if it's a even if it's a rare pen, but I don't have anything else that has the same shape and nib, then I, I might ink it. But also there are some pilot nibs that I won't ever bother inking just because it's annoying to clean. So what you're telling me um, by implication is that the pens that you actually write with are the cheaper versions of the pens that you collect or the cheapest body of the pens that you collect. Yes, because theoretically I could swap in the nib and it would basically be the same thing. How do you clean and store your pens? Do you go to any special trouble? 
some of my nicest pens are in those micro suede boxes with the ten ten partitions that um that Yaqing style makes and has made for many years. Uh, so I've got a few of those. I also have a collection of trays, like Toyo Toyoka Craft makes trays that are really nice. I've got a stack of those. I have some pens in them. I've also collected some like pelican trays that I stack on top of my other boxes that, that contain like ten each. Others plastic pens can go in like I I've started putting plastic bags all in one bubble wrap bag and just putting it on the drawer somewhere. <laughs> uh, others are in tubes occasionally, and then I have a folder of of pens that. Which is, which, is, which is my first folder that, that has contains, what, 20, 20, like around 60 pens, like three. Okay, you have a folder with 60 pens and a bunch of yaching style trays. That already is more than 100 pens. So the, I am calling bullshit on your claim that you only have around 100 pens. I might have a drawer full of junk stuff from... <laughs> <laughs> just stuff from other batches that I get that I don't care about, but like... The, they're too dirty to to sell or clean. I just Are you calling junk clear? You know, you get a lot of like Japanese pocket pens that no one cares about that have been misused <laughs> that might have like cracked back sections because people like screw in the back too tightly. And so you just like I don't know, give them out as gifts when people come because it's still a gold nib inside. <laughs> but I mean, they, they, they're probably still right. It's just not sellable condition. Anything sellable? It's hard. I. I'm hard pressed to sell them, so I just give them out, and then I might have. Uh, what else I've been like? My, my old pen wrap can take ten. I've got other trays. I don't know. You, you know, you you, you 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 get a lot of trays eventually, and then you put them there, and then sometimes you stack them like two two per slot if it fits, because 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 there are some slim pens, and then you put them in drawers and forget about them. Yesterday, you showed me a very interesting magazine on your iPad. Tell me what the magazine was and what was very interesting in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the Japanese uh, uh, is, is was like a long-running Japanese magazine that focuses on fountain pens and for the 50th volume, which like they do it quarterly, they did a bunch of interviews on like writing with pens and they interviewed people from Japan and also from Hong Kong because uh, I think it's because the, the the writer who did this really likes Hong Kong and comes over a lot of times and, and so she's familiar with our community and so she did a few pages on like the Hong Kong community and interviewed like nine or ten people about like how how, how do you use your pens Kind of like what I'm doing with you now. Yes, basically. <laughs> but in print. Yes, and uh, yeah. So, 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 so it was. Uh, so when they came over, I they couldn't find a photographer, so I did the photography for like all the Hong Kong stuff, which is pretty fun. How would we? Oh, well, how would we in Australia get an ac- access or a copy of this magazine? Do you know any sources? I've definitely seen it on sale in Kinokuniya. Otherwise, you would just order it from like Amazon JP through a forwarding service. Awesome. So this is the 50th, like an anniversary edition. Yes. 
maybe this is getting a little close to home, but um, what do your family and non-fountain pen collecting friends think about your hobby? If you think I have any more non-fountain pen friends... <laughs> Okay, I have one or two, but but they they, they understand. They're like, <laughs> like 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 my family sees those boxes. They know. Uh, at this point, they they they're questioning. Like, oh, okay, how much is this one? <laughs> and my non fountain pen friends, or what's left of them? They well, one of them was the guy with the camera who got me into this. So you can, you can partially blame on him. Um, and I will totally visit them. On the pretext of seeing them, but actually, I'm I'm visiting to like see the pen people wherever they live. So 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 like uh, I've the London group is really fun. If you're in London, I think they do at least like they they meet somewhere like at least every like one Saturday every every month. Uh, the San Francisco group is as regular as we are, and, and they do like every Sunday. Uh, if you go to the F- SF Bay Pen Posse or whatever it is. The Sydney group meets once 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 a month. Uh, the Japanese group there is now a Japanese group, which is just a bunch of like people I know, and they do it. They have really nice pen meets because somehow you can rent really nice places in Japan. Like I think one of the previous ones, they just they did it at like a garden pagoda in the middle of a garden that was super pretty. Uh, well. Obviously, every member had had to pay like a small part of the the cost of renting, but you know, it was really nice. So, so they meet, I think, once a month as well. Hong Kong group once a week. Taiwan, I'm not so sure about Taiwan. It depends because like the Taiwanese people I know are are all like busy working people. There are a lot of groups all around the world, and like they they meet pretty regularly, and and, and you meet like a lot of friends. Some collectors, some users, some in between, some both. You get to try a lot of inks and paper. And just like try other people's pens, and then maybe you'll want to buy one for yourself. In the five or so years that you've been in this hobby, have you seen two, two and a half years, or however many years? Do you think that the community has changed, or have you changed? I've totally changed. I feel like. And you're a young guy. You're like you're you're younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like um. You <laughs> know. Uh, when I was like, I see why a lot of, I see why there is a lot of enthusiasm for, for. <laughs> the audience is being very disruptive. <laughs> You're all younger than I am. I know that once upon a time I was like, I will only buy pens that I will use. I will ink all pens. Mont Blanc is too expensive. Uh, uh, why would I ever need an M one thousand? It's so you're paying so much for, for such a light pen. It's all plastic. Uh, it's like, oh, and and then I got my first pen that I was like, I am never going to ink this up because that was the Pelican M nine hundred Toledo. Like I what I brought it to meet, and one of the older collectors. Twisted the piston down, took a look at it through the loop. And I was like, "This has never been inked." I was like, "Well, then I'm never gonna ink this." And these days, yeah, like Pilot has a lot of pens that they make a lot of variations. Some are interesting variations, others are just boring variations that have the exact same body, just 
fancy artwork on the outside and there's not much that's borderline stuff that I would never bother inking you're really only there for the um, the superficial exterior <laughs> okay so so, 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 so here's the thing you, you buy one pen that's fine if you buy two from the same series then you you're gonna have to get the rest right so <laughs> And then which one will you use? You only ink the first one. The rest are just to, to prove that so that no one bothers you about getting the rest because you've gotten it already. Why would people you bother just hit the nerve <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that totally makes sense. Someone gave me an M800 Streisman a short while ago because they were like, oh, you, 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 you have a few stripes. Here's another stripe. And then I was like, well, now I have to get the brown one that, that was discontinued ages ago. And so then I had to go hunt down the brown one, but they were made, what, like, like 2013? Like, like close to when I started and when I thought this was an overpriced, like, yeah, piece of plastic. I don't think there's any point in me asking this, but I'm still curious. Is there anything else that you collect besides fountain pens? I can't afford to. Pilots from like 70s and 80s alone is enough to kill most people. I mean, I mean, okay, so, so let, let's talk about other collectors, like real collectors. Like some of the biggest collectors I know, first you need a lot of capital, which I don't have. Uh, and these are people who, like, like it, helps if, it helps if you're rich because clearly that, that, then you can... You don't have to worry about chasing all the stuff because you've just been buying all of it since the beginning. Like, 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 if you've got full sets of Montblanc writers, it's probably not because you just came in, you just won the lottery. It's because since they came out, you've been buying them once every year. But Leo, what you're telling me is that because you've only just gotten into it, what you should be focusing on is buying the new releases and making sure that you have complete sets of them and not chasing down vintage pens. Yeah, but if you buy all the new stuff, then you have no money left to chase all the old stuff. That's even harder to chase. That's my FOMO. My FOMO is not, oh no, there's another really pretty sailor that's out right now by this particular store in the middle of nowhere, Japan, that I have to like take a two-hour train ride towards. And like it only runs like three, three, three like trains a day but like the old stuff which is like oh pilot gave these to people to commemorate when they moved their headquarters and there's this piece and it has a special it looks exactly like a custom 74 but we changed the ring engraving <laughs> and so you have to hunt one down and it's very hard to find the second market because like 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 the people who who were gifted these clearly didn't care about fountain pens and it's just in the bottom of a drawer somewhere in Japan. So then you have to wait. And be patient and keep your eyes open. Okay, besides uh, capital, is there anything that you think separates the casual collector and the really serious collector? Um, effort and time. Like Sometimes there's stuff that money cannot buy but connections will. But part of those making connections involves spending money. So, so, so it, 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 it's a tough compromise. Like, 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 if you've been going to the same seller over and over again for the past X years, they are more likely to be like, say, hey, I just came into possession of this and I know you've been buying this bunch, but you haven't bought this one. Would you be interested? Like, like they will, I'm not saying it will get cheaper, but you're more likely to get approached. You'll be considered for the honor of owning this particular pen. Yes, basically that. 
Whereas most people wouldn't even hear about the pen until it was already sold out. Yes. So, like, um, stuff I can't talk about. Never mind. <laughs> it, it's not even my stuff. It's just what I hear about other people that I'm like, huh, maybe I shouldn't talk about how they get their pens. You need to protect your sources. Yeah, like my sources and, and what I hear about other people's sources. Okay. Um, with five years of experience under your belt, if you had to restart your collection, would there be anything that you do differently? There may have been one or two pens I probably shouldn't have bothered buying. <laughs> no, but the, the one pen I super regret buying was a Conklin made from sterling silver. And it had a really soft nib, 14K nib, but it was way too soft and mushy. And once you put it down, it wouldn't go back. And then I, it, it just gushed out. I didn't like it very much. That was probably my smaller regrets, yeah. Oh, there's a bigger one. I forgot about the bigger one. You you, you, you sort of leave them out of your memory. <laughs> I mean, okay, if, if we're going to talk about recent regrets, I kind of... I've, I've had a few people regret buying the latest, the, the Rewa pilot, the pilot commemorating the ascendance of the new emperor to the throne. <laughs> It's got the phoenix and a flower to represent the prince and the princess, the, the, the emblems. And it's how many of those were there released? Some I forget. It was a limited amount, but it's more detailed than like most other Namiki Yukaris of that like size ten size. But it's not. It's a bit. It's the quality. It the the, the print job doesn't seem. As, it has more detail, but it's not as precise. I know it sounds oxymoronic. Um, it could have been prettier, and, and, and it looks like they, they could have designed it like maybe slightly with, with less detail, and it may have been prettier with, with, with a different design. It's not like they rushed it. I mean, they knew it was coming, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they had a few designs ready. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this one would cost more than a regular Namiki Yukari, wouldn't it? You, well, it's, it, it, it's in the same range as other Yukari, so it's like 150,000 plus tax. And I mean, the, the motifs are sort of cool, but that phoenix down there looks kind of iffy. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the print job, the screen print job. It, it, it looks kind of like um, a, a bad tattoo job. You know what I mean? Like some guy went to. Um, at 3am ran to a random off the road tattoo parlor and got like a Japanese-ish design done <laughs> Sharon is Sharon how did you know that's what I did for how did you know that's what I did for my 21st birthday I walked into a dodgy tattoo parlor on Elizabeth Street and then the guys in there said let's race to see who can finish this tattoo design the fastest. And admittedly, we should have known it was a bad idea because the tattoo design was actually drawn on a beer coaster. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like that. <laughs> so, so I mean, like, if you've gotten like the previous two Emperor pens, then oh, you have no choice but to buy it. But Of course you wait, always have wait, a choice. Wait, when was the previous Emperor pen made? Like a hundred years ago? No, no, no. He, he, <laughs> that old okay he's not that old but at least like 40 50 <clears throat> um so i think the, the the last one 
I mean, I mean, the guy was old, but he didn't come onto the throne that early. It was the 80s. I thought it was... Yeah, no, the way... So there's definitely, like, 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 the, like royal family-related ones. There was definitely... There was definitely a pen commemorating the marriage of the prince. And there was also one for the ascendance of the last emperor. So at least two. Final two questions. With your collecting habits now, um, besides rarity, what draws you to a pen? Is it the nib? Is it the body? Is it the brand? Is there anything that you can see yourself outside of your comfort zone that you might be interested in? Uh, I mean, I'm interested in all those things. Like, like, like if it's a weird nib or if it's a weird body. Um, as long as it's weird. As long as it's like, as long as I haven't seen it before and it looks sort of interesting, then I'll be interested. So it does sort of sound pretty opportunistic. So, so the um, the Panina honeycomb, that's pretty weird. <laughs> I can just go into, <laughs> I could just go into a store and buy. That's not, that's not fun to get. It could be fun to get. It could be very rare if they stop producing it like now. Yeah, but I've tried the nib and I don't like it. You can try my honeycomb. Thanks. So, so, so it's more like, uh, uh, so what would be weird? Like, unusual. Like, for example, the, the Aurora, then latest experiments with um, like Asian style nibs, you don't find those particularly interesting? No, those I think I sort of know where it came from. I I, 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 th- I think um, when Aurora last like came to Hong Kong and did, a, did an event uh, the guy who does the nibs definitely tried a few of the Sailor Naginatsis and maybe they were encouraged or inspired by the local people to make their own version um, so I've seen my friends in Hong Kong use Naginata and they use it really well so I I, I, I feel no compulsion to get more Naginata because I seriously cannot use one um, so the, the more pens you have the, the more incomplete collections you own and so a lot of time it's just filling in gaps that you're like oh hey I have I, I don't have that one and that's a good price or, or like everyone else like you collect pilots you should at least have this pen and so I finally got that one the other day which happened to be like a super 500 um, which is like the the, the top end su- pilot super pen from the 50s um yeah, I kind of know, I understand what you mean. Sometimes it's not even a matter of um, choice. You don't make a decision at some point during your life, I will only collect this pen. But if you have started a collection, then you're sort of invested, right? And um, you're more inclined to try and complete that set as you would be if you're playing like a, a you know, a game of poker, um, you want to complete your house rather than starting a new one because that involves um, a different sort of investment. You know, it's like a matter of chance that you have found yourself collecting this particular brand and this particular type of pen, right? Yes. So, like, you get one, that's fine. You get two, that's getting worrisome because then cause everyone else is like, so you have two now, right? So why don't you get the rest? I, I mean... Sure, if you have very strong willpower and you don't care at all, you could uh, like you you sell that second one, you can get out of that so fast. But if you don't mind too much and and it's just fun and it's 
It's very pretty to take photos of, and then you can put them away. No, I understand completely. Um, okay, for someone who is just getting into the hobby, you must meet them every day. Do you have any advice for them? I might have a few pieces of advice, but I have to remember them after like a few glasses. Uh, so I have not rules; they're just like principles, just just, just, just f- fun things to say in reply to people posting about pens, like like like. But my book is not. I have them written down, but it doesn't matter. I, <laughs> it's a very small booklet, so. Uh, I can't remember them. Work hard, buy pens. That's my first one. Leo's sage uh, advice. Sage Leo's sage uh, Also, the more you know, the more you buy. Maybe better to stay ignorant. Yes, ignorance is bliss. Uh, ignorance is savings. And then some people have... Some people throw my own quotes back at me, which is really annoying. Um, <laughs> okay, that, that one is... That one was my uh, that one I so buy now regret later is what I got after missing out on certain sailors. You can blame sailor for that. Yeah, like like, like especially sailor. Like the first time I went into Tokyo, got in Tokyo, a king and was selling their their blue rose and their vintage green and vintage red. It, it was one of the early editions with the like off white creamy socks. Like, like one of those early editions and I didn't buy those thinking that I could get them like the following year they were gone so fast and I regret not buying them then so always buy first regret later uh, people have made fun of me with you don't you don't need but you want yeah like a lot of things in life <laughs> and there are probably a few more but the other one that I remember that isn't from me but which I like to quote is someone once said it's not limited edition if it's more than three pieces. And the person saying that has every right to say that kid given what they were doing. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Leo, for this very frank and um, booze-laden <laughs> conversation. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here in Sydney again. I hope we can catch up regularly. Um, I'll definitely pop in on Hong Kong if I see you next because I know you know all the best places to get my desirable pens which aren't the rare and collectibles it's just you know the more store friendly and (laughs) the more accessible um let's say pens you'll hook me up right yep absolutely thank you so much oh and where can we find you online so you can find me on instagram at uh inquisitive quill that's one word and youtube also inquisitive quill i think that's two words Awesome. And I'm sure we'll have you on the podcast at some near point in the future as well. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nibsection Facebook page or at the Nibsection on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producer this episode was Diana Dye. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dye. Our special guest was Leo Fo. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. <laughs>